uh, welcome back to the emergency goalies. Uh, we win an extra with uh, New Year's. We win an extra game before we came back for this one. So we've got a four-game recap of a pretty successful week overall for the Blackhawks. Um, like we were saying, you know, second you think they're finished, then they come to life again. I don't know how that works, but the week started for the Blackhawks against the Islanders at home. And the Islanders, like we were talking about, pretty good team in the playoff position. And um, Islanders did score the first goal in this game, but after that, the Blackhawks played very well. Dennis Gilbert got his first career uh, NHL goal, and we might talk about Dennis Gilbert a little bit later on in the episode, but uh, that was his first career NHL goal to tie the game at one. And then Dominique Kubelik and Alex Dabrinkat each scored in the first period to give the Blackhawks a 3-1 lead. Uh, the second period, not much happened, but the Blackhawks were playing well. And uh, we got to the third period, and uh, the Blackhawks quickly scored two more goals, including a very nice uh, play by Jonathan Tabes, where he stole the puck and went down and fired in a goal to make it 4-1. Uh, to one. And the Islanders did score a late goal, but it was pretty much in the bag by that point, and the Blackhawks got a very nice 5-2 to two victory. And I'll ask you a little bit, Michael, but that was just a pretty good overall game for the Blackhawks. Yeah, solid all-around effort. Robin Leonard was terrific in net. You know, the, the, the Hawks still gave up a few more high-quality chances than you would like, but Leonard was on top of it. And the Blackhawks' skill guys showed well in this game. They... They managed to score five goals without, uh, you know, a power play. Well, I should say without a power play goal, they had some power play opportunities mm-hmm. in the game. But, yeah, just uh, Dylan Strom. This was maybe Strom's best game of the year. I, I don't know. We're close to it. He was. He, I thought he was really good. That, that um, line with Kirby Dock at center and... Strom at right wing and Debrinket at left wing uh, played a, a real nice game I felt, and you know they they factored in a couple of the goals and so it, it was uh yeah uh, one of the better efforts from the Hawks this year I thought and just you know like you said it was the Islanders scored the first and the last goals but in between the Blackhawks carried the majority of the play. And they were able to capitalize on their chances. And not often the Blackhawks come away with five to two victories, and you know, were they, they were able to maintain their lead. Um, you know, there was never a big uh, threat from the Islanders after the Blackhawks, you know, went up four to one or five to one in the in the third period, where you felt like the Islanders were going to storm back. Yeah. Which is a bit unusual for this team this year. Yes, yes it was. Well, so then, of course, you know, the Jekyll and Hyde Blackhawks, uh, that was Friday night, and then Saturday or Sunday afternoon they were in Columbus, the start of a little three-game road trip, and the Blackhawks looked about as bad as they looked in the Devils game in the first period of this game. Terrible. It was one of... And I checked yes, out. Uh, I checked out after the first period. Yes, I also checked out after the first period. Uh I had to watch the Rams play their season-ending game after their disappointing season, and that was more entertaining than same with yeah, me. That was more entertaining than than the 
uh, Blackhawks in this game, but uh, the Columbus only scored two goals in the first period, despite badly outplaying the Blackhawks. Uh, the second period, yeah. not much better. But in the third period, I don't know if Columbus let up or the Blackhawks woke up or something, but uh, Dylan Strome scored a goal. And he, got a, he tipped in a shot from the point, and it got the Blackhawks within 2-1. to one. And uh, the Blackhawks started upping their play a little bit. It got, you know, they got more even in the game. And then they got a late power play. And uh, Eric Gustafson, who had not done much recently, uh, ripped a shot from the point, got through the goalie, and tied score at two with about two minutes left in the game. So, yeah, it was one of those things where it's like, they seemed like they were completely dead, but, you know, they got the somehow rallied back and went to overtime. And then this overtime is about one of the craziest things I've ever seen. So uh, the Black Eyes go out in the, in the overtime. They get a power play. Don't do anything with the power play. And then they commit a too many men on the ice penalty with about 18 seconds left. And the about 18 seconds turned out to be kind of important. Apparently an extra second ticked off the clock after the Black Eyes touched the puck. And I, nobody really noticed. I didn't notice. Uh, so the Columbus had about 18 seconds of power play time to end the overtime. And Seth Jones made a great play. Uh, pushed the puck right to the net. Uh, fired a shot at the net. Got stopped. The puck was loose and fired into the net for an overtime winning goal. Or so it looked at first. But the green light behind the goal had gone on, indicating that the time had run out on the clock. Uh, they did a quick review, and the goal had crossed the line about, what, three-tenths of a second after time had expired. So the goal did not count. Then we went to a shootout, and of course, as Robin Leonard in shootouts, you know, you think Leonard's not going to ever win a shootout, and amazingly, he did win a shootout. Uh, the Blackhawks scored twice, and uh, Columbus was only able to score once, and the second attempt... Got by Leonard, but hit the post, allowing the Blackhawks to win the shootout. And I should add, on the Blackhawks' first shootout goal scored by Tabes, the um, Columbus starting goalie uh, blew out, injured his leg somehow. He twisted or whatever, but they never really just a lower body injury on him, but he's going to be out for a long time. So that was obviously got Tortorella angry, the Columbus coach, and he went on quite a rant after the game about that extra second that was lost on the clock and, you know, it forced the game to go to the shootout and then their goalie was injured. And so this was just an all-around crazy game. But the Blackhawks came out of it with two points, so I guess you really can't complain. Yeah, I mean, it's always great when you can come away with points in a game where you don't deserve it. And for a team like the Blackhawks who are chasing a lot of teams to get into the pl- back into the playoff hunt, Every point is huge, and to be able to come away with not just one, but two points in a game that they just had no business getting any points in is huge, and and they need to have a couple more games like that uh, over the next Well, I hope I explained that. That was kind of a rambling explanation, but that's what it felt like to watch the final, like, 15 minutes of this game. So I, I hope I did justice to how insane the end of this game was. Yeah, uh, 
I I just I, I couldn't handle watching that game, and I I never did actually go back and watch, um, you know the the full thing. I just kind of caught some of the highlights, so I can't comment on quite how crazy it was, other than you know just kind of reading through what Tortorella had to say in his stuff, and yeah, it's just it. I guess it would have been an interesting game to watch, but I after the way that they played in the first period. I just I couldn't handle it on that particular day. Yes. <laughs> so now for a game that I would say pretty much with the exact opposite of this of that game. Uh, it was Tuesday night, New Year's Eve, in Calgary, and a Flames team that I guess I re- didn't realize had been struggling as badly as they had been. Apparently, they had been losing quite a few games in the like couple weeks before this game, but. Um, the Blackhawks came out on fire in this game. Uh, Olimata, of course, the sniper. Olimata was got the scoring fresh off getting yes, scratched. Fresh off being a healthy scratch, but an unbelievable pass from Patrick Kane found Mata with at least twenty feet in front of him to the net, and he skated in and fired a shot past the Calgary goalie to give the Blackhawks a one nothing lead. Then a very nice power play goal by Alex DeBrincat just. A minute and a half later, gave the Blackhawks a 2-0 lead. And Patrick Kane, who was playing very good in this game, uh, added a third goal uh, five or six minutes later. And the Blackhawks were off to a 3-0 lead. Uh, And they played very well in this period. Um, The second period, they again were playing pretty good. Dylan Strom got a very nice goal. And as you were talking about, Michael, this uh, Doc... Strom, the Brinkett line looks very good. Yeah, I, I have no no complaints about that group being left together for the foreseeable future. It's It seems to have some pretty decent chemistry. Doc helps with some of the defensive responsibility while Strom can help him on the face-offs. And they just they seem to complement each other well. So I'm, I'm hopeful that they are able to keep that line together. Yes, and this in this game, though, it was 4 nothing. You felt very good, and then one of those things that happens that you're just like, this is going to be a problem. The Flames scored a goal with six seconds left in the period. Uh, Sam Bennett was able to force in a shot from the side of Robin Leonard, and, you know, you see, when you give up a goal that late in the period with the Blackhawks' history this season, you got... You started feeling a little, oh, this isn't going to be good. But uh, they went to the third period up 4-1. And actually, it was going pretty well. I mean, they got through the first 15 minutes of the Mm -hmm. period with the 4-1 lead. But then uh, the Black Ice got a power play. And another one of those shorthanded goals that you just can't give up. But former Blackhawk. Yeah, I think it was the... I think it was the seventh one they've given up on the year, which is the most in the league. Yeah, it's one of those things, too, where you've got, you know, your point people are uh, Boquist and Gustafson, mostly. And they're the kind of guys that you, that you turn the puck over and there's a rush the other way. It's not the best defenseman to be, you know, going against a two-on-one or two-on-two. But um, mm-hmm. Michael Froelich, former Blackhawk, was able to score a shorthanded goal to... Cut the lead to 4-2, and uh, about a half minute and a half later, Sean Monahan, who 
I think it scored every single Blackhawks game the Blackhawks ever played against the Flames with him on the team. At least it feels like it. He scored to make it four to three with about three and a half minutes left. And, you know, you just got that sinking feeling like, here we go again, another big lead that the Blackhawks are going to blow. But luckily they were able to withstand the big Flames push with the empty net. And uh, Patrick Kane scored with like a second left in the, in the empty net. But, I mean, it didn't really matter if he scored or not, but the Blackhawks had won by that point, so they uh, took home a 5-3 victory, and you had to feel pretty good about this stretch, despite some of the iffy play in the Columbus game and the end of this game. That was three straight victories, and that's a very rare feat for the Blackhawks this year. Yeah, and not just three straight victories, but um, five out of six. Um, definitely their best stretch of the year. And, you know, the offense was clicking. They, you know, and the the one game out of the six that they lost was just that complete and utter stinker that they had against New Jersey, which is still just something I can't explain, where you could come off such a big win against Colorado and then just play so poorly against a bad New Jersey team. But, yeah, I mean, the you know, the Hawks... You know they stole the points against Columbus, but the rest of those games, I they it felt like they played well enough to win in any one of them. So it the, those ten points in twelve or ten points in six games did not feel yeah. undeserved. So then we went to Thursday night, and this was just a wide open, you know, wild, wild game. <laughs> they went to Columbus to play, or that Columbus, sorry. Uh, Vancouver to play the Canucks. Vancouver. They'd already played Columbus, but um, yes, in this game, just the first period was actually pretty tame. I thought the Hawks were playing well. I thought I actually thought like for the first probably half of this game that the Hawks were controlling play, limiting you know high danger chances by Vancouver. And the Hawks were up, and I, I really thought that, you know, with having coming off of five wins in six games, and, you know, they built up the big lead in this one, and I just thought, ah, oh, you know, I really feel like they're going to be able to hold on to it. Yeah. But yes. I was wrong. <laughs> so let's get to the details of this a little bit. Uh, the Canucks scored first. JT Miller, former Ranger, got the first goal, but the Blackhawks answered back. Connor Murphy, another unlikely a uh, goal scorer fired a shot from the point and tied the game. And then the second period was just, it was wild. Uh, the Vancouver scored to start the period. Uh, Tanner Pearson scored to make it 2-1. to one. But then the Blackhawks reeled off uh, three goals in about six minutes. Uh, David Kampf, another unlikely goal scorer, but the fourth line in this game actually played very well for the Blackhawks. Uh, but David Kampf yes. scored to... Tyler scored two, and then Patrick Kane with a very nice power play goal uh, gave the Blackhawks a three-two lead, and then Jonathan Tabes, basically, I there's no other way to put this, uh, bounced a shot off a Canuck player's butt into the goal, yeah. but hey, they all count. But the Blackhawks were dominating play for this little stretch. They were getting lots of ch- the I have to 
said the Canucks goalie Jacob Markstrom played unbelievable in this game. He was very good. Um, yeah, it real. I I think I made a comment on Twitter or something at the time. I was like, the Blackhawks could really have eight goals in this game. Uh, Markstrom had made a couple of great saves, and the the Hawks had put a couple of po- uh, put a couple of shots off the po- uh, off the point uh, off of the post. Um, yeah, they. It, it was, you know, certainly one of those times where it's like, oh, you know, you didn't, you, you failed to capitalize on all the opportunities and you, you worry that that might come back and haunt you. But at the same time, they'd still already scored full four goals halfway through the game. And so you're thinking, well, maybe it's, maybe they're fine. It's, you know, especially with, I, they were playing so well. But then it was just like, it was like right at the 10 minute mark in the second period. Everything just kind of Yeah, changed. it was one of those, again, you know, whenever you think you're giving up on them, they... Surprise you, and when you're feeling good about them, they unfortunately surprise you the other way. And yep. uh, it was a penalty the Blackhawks committed about the 10 minute mark. And Quinn Hughes, the less heralded of the Hughes brothers, uh, but still very good, uh, ripped a shot from the point yes. and gave cut the lead to one. And then Elias Pedersen, also pretty good, scored about a yes. minute later and tied the score at four. And there weren't any goals the rest of this period, but it was just back and forth, great chances both ways, um, pretty well. Yeah. So then the third period, it was 4-4, and Vancouver started up in their play in this period. And they were getting a lot of chances, and finally uh, Bo Horvat scored and gave the Canucks the lead. But, you know, the Blackhawks you know, fought back one more time. Uh, Patrick Kane, with a very nice play, uh, was able to score a goal and, you know, tied the score at five again. And you're thinking, can we get to overtime here? There's about six minutes left in the game. And you're thinking maybe that would be pretty big if you can get to overtime, but it just wasn't meant to be. Uh, also, uh, I should note, this about this point, there was a scramble at the net and... A collision, and it looked like Robin Leonard came up a little gimpy, but he stayed in the game. And I would say maybe not even a minute later, uh, Adam Gaudet was able to score and give the Canucks the lead. And you know the Blackhawks had a chance, had a you know power play in the final two or three minutes of the game, but they just couldn't get through. And the Canucks added an empty net goal and. It was a 7-5 defeat for the Blackhawks. So it's, this game is kind of, you know, they played well for stretches, but, you know, they couldn't pull it out, and this was a, an important game. Microcosm yes. of the whole season. And it was a game against a team that's that they're right, you know, that's, has one of the final playoff spots. It's been on a tear, I should add. Vancouver's gone on a six-game yeah. winning streak, but you do feel like, man, I wish they would have pulled that game out. Yeah, they... You know, you'd built up the lead. They were playing well. You know, they had strung the, you know, the the wins together. And you just, you felt like, oh, gosh, maybe the Blackhawks are really going to get back into this a little bit. You know, a big win against Vancouver to extend the, you know, the stretch of good play. Like you said, against a team that they're in direct competition with for the, the final playoff spot. And, you know, the rug got pulled out from under us once again 
with injury adding to the insult of the loss with Robin Leonard getting injured late, it didn't seem like it was going to be a big deal, and maybe it still isn't, but you know, we did hear the word today that the Hawks have had to recall Kevin Lankinen from Rockford because Leonard's still kind of feeling yeah, the aftermath. I believe it was of it. day-to-day with a knee injury, but they don't know how severe, yeah. but... So, you know, that was one of the, the, the trends that had, uh, you know, probably contributed to some of the extra wins that the Blackhawks Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Was Leonard was playing pretty well, and he was getting every Yeah, he start. was pretty much... You know, he, it, did you say at this point, at least... Before this injury, he was the the number one starter now, basically. Yes, I, I, I think we can say that unequivocally, and assuming that this knee injury isn't a lingering thing, will um, you know that status will continue. I, I would expect him to get two out of three starts, um, you know, from from here on out, assuming health. So, and I think that's a good thing. I, and it's not you know a knock on Corey Crawford who has had a. A, a good solid season, you know. Uh, you know he's really bounced back from the injuries the last couple of years, and you know maybe isn't quite at his top level performance from a few years back, but you can't ask for much more out of a thirty three, thirty four year old goalie, whatever he is. Playing, you know, just playing real solid, but Leonard's just. He's, he's at the top of his game right now. He's one of the top, maybe top five goalie in the league is pushing it, although I think he's at least in that conversation. But he's certainly one of the top ten goalies in the league right now. And when you got one of those guys, you just you have to ride the hot hand. Exactly, yeah, no. He's, been, he's kept them in a lot of these games. There's a lot of these games that they would mm-hmm. not be even close to. That So, yeah, if you're going to try to – Sneak into the playoffs, and the Blackhawks now are five or six points back. I don't, I haven't checked the exact, but you're gonna have to. Yeah, and yeah, you're gonna have to win some of a lot of these games. When your defense is not that good, so your goalie's gonna have to help you out in a lot of these games. So I guess speaking of that defense, so I'll, I'll ask you: Do you like the makeup of the defense right now? And but I mean, obviously, you don't like it because of all the injuries and stuff. <laughs> I should. Basically, right. the question. <laughs> I don't. I don't know that we could ever use the yes. term "like" and the Blackhawks defense. Basically, right what now. I will say is, <laughs> are do you like Gilbert, or would you rather have uh, Cuckoo as your final defenseman? I personally think Slater Cuckoo is the better player right now, but I also think Slater Cuckoo is probably never going to get any better than he currently is, and we kind of know what he is at this point. I think he's a serviceable seventh defenseman, maybe even sixth defenseman, but that's kind of it. And Dennis Gilbert occasionally plays like a guy who should be spending a majority of his time in Rockford, but we also see the flashes. Um, they have put him in a bit of a difficult position of having him play on his offside right now. I'm still not quite sure I understand that. Um, but I guess, uh, you know, just sort of is what it is with the Blackhawks only having two right-handed defensemen. Somebody's got to play on on their offside. I, I, 
struggle to see why the rookie is the mm-hmm. guy who does that. But it, yeah, just is what it is. Um, and I, I haven't seen too many instances where that in in particular has affected him. But it, you know, he's definitely a guy who is currently turning the puck over more than he should. There are instances where his lack of speed causes issues, and there are instances where he's his positioning is just not good where he's 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 not where he needs to be but he's a rookie so you 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 just have to learn to live with that a little bit and hope that eventually he solidifies himself a little bit i i don't have any problem with giving him a little bit of rope right now when the only other option is slater cuckoo yeah. I, I mean if if they wanted to make the move and use cuckoo for the next week or two, if they're if they're trying to really make a you know one last push for the playoffs, if if they feel like they just want to put their their best six guys out there for a couple of weeks and see how it goes, I wouldn't have a huge issue with it. But at the same time, I, I, I'm I, at this point, I'm I'm more in line with we just gotta play our young players, get them get them some experience, see where it gets us. So I, I, I'd rather have Gilbert in there. I'd rather have Alex Nylander get back in the lineup um, and just kind of see where where it goes from here. Yeah. All right, so now I'll ask one more but. thing that I think is we were talking about uh, rookie Dennis Gilbert, but let's talk about a couple of rookies that are really in my – I from watching these games, I'm really starting to like what I'm seeing from Boquist and Doc. And so I was going to ask you, do you, you agree with me, like, Boquist looks a lot better the past couple games. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm very happy with the progress Boquist is making in the defensive end. He's one of the few guys that will actually maintain a solid gap um, on zone entries. He, he doesn't make it easy on guys coming into the zone. He's willing to step up on them on occasion and force turnovers really Duncan Keith is kind of the only other guy that does that we do see Gilbert do that on occasion though too I I will say that's one of the things that um, I am encouraged about with Gilbert is his willingness to occasionally step up and play tough at the blue line unfortunately with him it's kind it's really a risky all-or-nothing play because he absolutely does not have the ability to cover if he if the guy gets if a guy gets and we have yeah, seen if the guy gets by him, he's gone. Right. Yeah. And, and, and not that Adam Boquist is an amazing skater or anything either, but he he has a, certainly has a better chance of getting back into it. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I am definitely encouraged by the progress he's making there. His positioning seems pretty good to me. You know, there's the occasional time where he has a problem, but he's also facing top competition i mean gilbert's on the third pairing they're they're protecting him a little bit whereas bolquist is out there with duncan keith and they're you know not necessarily playing the top pairing um i i do think they they have uh murphy go up against the top pairing or the, the top line i should say quite a bit but they they're certainly not sheltering bolquist by in any regard so that's encouraging also giving him the chance on the first power play unit I think is a good a good thing. It 
it makes sense with him being a right-handed shot, being out there when Duncan or when Patrick Kane is running the power play from the right side. Um, it, it gives Boquist an opportunity for a one-timer, whereas that doesn't happen when Gustafson is out there as a left-handed shot. So I, I, I like that. They're, they're giving him that opportunity to grow into that role. And, you know, his offensive game, we're only seeing flashes right now. Obviously, that's his strongest suit, but he's sort of playing a more conservative approach as he's getting his feet wet in the NHL. I think we're starting to see some flashes of him jumping into plays, kind of acting as a fourth forward at at times. And I think... Eventually, we'll see that more often. But as of right now, we're just we're, he's 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 feeling he's he's feeling his way, and and I'm quite pleased with um, the progress he's made. Yeah, and that's so the no complaints. I absolutely want him in the lineup yeah, every day. That's the other thing I was going to add, though, too, is just the amount of confidence that Kirby Doc is starting to show, and he's making some drives to the net that you're like, wow. Yes. I, he's playing playing with confidence, and you know it's not translating into a lot of points right now um, I think his his points per game was actually higher earlier in the year when he wasn't playing as well but he's playing with skill guys right now and he's driving possession he's making a lot of good passes driving the net when he has the puck controlling it along the boards creating turnovers on both a forecheck and the back check and just uh, yeah, I mean, there are still the occasional times where, you know, he's on the wrong side of the puck or whatever. But, boy, I'm I'm really, really encouraged that he is going to be a centerpiece type player that they can Yeah, and that, you know, you know, as you say, that line too has been, there have been points in these last four games that uh, Strom, Debrinket, Doc line has been absolutely dominating people, and you really feel good mm-hmm. watching it. Like you're thinking, this is something that in the future we can keep this going. This could be really something in like a year or two. Yeah, I when he when he was drafted, you know, you always held out hope, you know, on these high draft picks, and you think, boy, this is maybe the type of guy that can one day replace Taves as the, the number one center and and be a strong two-way player for your organization. And from day one, pretty much, all I've seen are positive signs that that is going to be the type of player that he is going to develop into. I mean, we're clearly not there yet. He's still got to get stronger. He's still got to improve his skating a little bit, but... The mind seems to be there. The hands are there. We see the bursts of speed. We see the the flashes of brute strength and just ability to control the puck and the knowledge of where to be on the defensive side and the commitment to that element of the game. And just, yeah, really, really, really happy for with what where he is at as a 19-year-old in the NHL. Just couldn't yep. be happy. So. You know, on that positive note, let's go into a little preview of the upcoming games this week. Yeah, we got we're only going to have a couple of them with the abbreviated week here. Um, 
we're going to have a home game against the Detroit Red Wings on Sunday night at 6.30. Obviously, when the Red Wings come to town, it's always, you know, an important game for the fans. It's not really an important game for the players anymore, I don't think. But... You know, the, the, the fans will certainly be into it. It's a home game against the worst yeah. team in the league. The Red Wings are really yeah, This bad. is a red, and a serious red flag situation. Because of what, you know, the, uh, the right. New Jersey game, like last week, it's like, you've got to be up for this. I know they're a bad team, but do not sleepwalk through this. Right. The Colleton has made a lot of comments of late of his disappointment in the team's play at home and their record is indicative of that their their power play and their short or, and their their penalty kill really struggle on home ice and it's led to a lot of losses against teams that they should beat and just games where they they weren't able to stay stay with some good teams because of the special team struggle and just a general lack of energy. Whereas on the road, they've been playing playoff caliber hockey, really, on the road. They've, they've won plenty of road games, too, whereas, where if they had have just a, like a normal home record, they would be in playoff position right now. But right now, their, their home record just isn't good enough, and there is absolutely no excuse for not getting two points against the Red Wings on Sunday. It's just, it, it's a huge game. They cannot come out flat. They have to come out running and just they put the pedal to the metal and don't don't let up. Detroit does not have the firepower to be able to keep up with the Blackhawks. And so they I, I really want them just to, to come out firing. Uh, then beyond that, uh, we get a follow-up game against the Calgary Flames. The Flames will be looking for revenge after the the Hawks beat them five to three a few days ago, and so you got to be ready to come out. And again, that's a home game, and it's this is kind of the start of a of a four-game homestand. So anytime you're starting a homestand or you know or a road trip of extended periods you really want to get off to a good start so get that red wings game get those two points get your momentum back after the loss against vancouver the team's still playing well the offense is still rolling so you know let's let's get at least the two points against detroit and then you know even if you can come away with just at least one against calgary but even that, I mean, you know, the Blackhawks are still trailing teams. They can't afford a lot of three-point games against these teams that they're trailing. So you, it would be just huge if they could come away with a, reg, a regulation. Win. Yeah, it's this point, basically, what you really want is just to win as many games as you can. Because you, you're in a hole, so just pile up some wins. Right. But, you know, sequence, sequencing matters. I, if it, they... They really need to have their wins come against mm-hmm. the teams that they're chasing. And it's one of those home. teams... If you're going to lose yes. a game, it's actually better to lose against Detroit yes. than it would be against Calgary. Because Calgary is but, one of those teams they're I chasing. Mean, so winning that game is big. Right. I mean... Right. So, yeah. Blackhawks just got to pile up points. 
uh, you know, the, the, the loss against Vancouver was discouraging a little bit, but they also had played a, a tough team on the road very well for, and, and still almost came away with, you know, some points in that game. They, it was still tied up late, even though the Blackhawks had blown their lead. But so, you know, the offense is still clicking. So even even though coming off of a loss, I still feel like the Hawks have some momentum in their favor, and they've really, 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 really got to take advantage of that uh, in this this next stretch of four games yep. at home. So I guess that's where we wrap it up. And yeah, the Blackhawks are not quite dead. We were ready to nope, ready quite. to put put them under last week, but. They kept themselves alive. I picked up the shovel like mm-hmm. a month ago, but I haven't. I haven't uh, gotten around to burying so, them yet. Blackhawks, you want to keep us, keep hope alive, and keep playing well. So, I guess that's a good point to wrap it up. And uh, I'm sth85 on Twitter, Michael. MJ underscore. Yep, you can subscribe on uh, the Apple Podcast app and stuff. And yep, and we'll see if the Blackhawks can keep this crazy ride going and stay in the race Uh, but we'll be here no matter what so as always here's to a good 2020 Uh, and go hawks